Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? So today we are going to continue the conversations that we've had in regards to nutrition. We've talked about nutrition in our holiday episode. We've had episodes specifically on canine and feline nutrition. And now we're going to talk about it a little bit more, do a little bit of an overview, and then talk food safety. All right, so let's start talking about the dangerous human foods. I know we sound like we talk about this ad nauseum, but it's really, really important and not a lot of people understand this. So what makes these foods so dangerous and why can't animals have them? Yes, well, the, the biggest thing that people need to remember is that cats and dogs and other pets are not humans. And that they, and what I mean by that is their bodies are designed differently than ours. Yes. So we can't <laughs> assume that they have the exact same body makeup and digestive system and everything like that, that we do. Just because we can eat certain things does not mean our animals can also eat them. True that. Yep. <laughs> so let's go into that. So what makes their bodies different? Well, they metabolize foods a little bit differently. Their whole digestive system is set up. You know, if you look at the animals in the wild and what they typically eat, our pets are not really much different from our wild animals. Maybe things may have shifted just slightly from their wild ancestors, but not that much. When we look at cats, and we've mentioned this in our previous episodes, cats are obligate carnivores they get their nutrition pretty much solely from meat. They don't eat vegetables. They don't eat fruit. They don't eat carbohydrates. They don't eat grains. All of those other aspects they get through the prey that they eat. So it's already in a different digestible form when it gets into their body. So then their body is able to process that different form that it's in. So when they get it directly which is usually the case in the pet foods that we give them, then their body is not able to handle that properly. Yeah, they can't break it down. When they're in the wild, their prey already broke that all down. I don't know why people assume that cats should be getting vegetables and fruits and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just like their bodies just can't do it. They can't process it. So it has to work extra hard. And that's why you have a lot of cases of pancreatitis in cats. Just, mm -hmm. They just can't do it. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things to do with the enzymes and the chemicals, because again, the body makeup, we have different enzymes, different chemicals in our bodies compared to other animals, and they can't use some of the enzymes and chemicals that we have in our bodies to process the foods in the same way as we do. Yeah. And with dogs, again, in the wild, they typically eat more meat than anything else. They might eat a little bit of uh, fruits and vegetables, but it's not their main, main diet. So we need to be aware of which ones are going to be okay for them and which ones aren't. 
And we're going to touch a little bit on rabbits and birds, but our main focus will be on the, the cats and the dogs. Okay. So how can these foods affect the system? Oh, there's so many ways that uh, they can affect the system. It can affect almost any body part in some form or another, and it could be mild to really severe, like to even death. Sometimes that depends on the type of food it is. And sometimes it depends on the quantity of the food that they get. Yeah. We'll go in a little bit uh, later into the symptoms that you might see. Although with the symptoms, it's a little bit challenging because symptoms are not always completely identifiable with toxicity. They can also be related to other health issues, but it's still a good idea to be able to be aware of these and watch out for them. Because even if you do see them, then that's an indication that you need to monitor or take them to the emergency vet right away. Yeah, because they can creep out on you pretty quickly if I'm not mistaken, right? Some of them, yes. And sometimes it just sits there under the surface and then it just gets worse and worse until you get to a point where there is no turning back. Mm -hmm. That's the scary part. So we talk about all the things that they can't eat in other episodes. So what are some of the, let's start this positive. What are some of the human foods that these animals can eat? Well, the best thing for cats is good quality meat. Now, there might be different ideas of what people consider to be good quality meat. There's probably a lot of people who feel like, oh, any meat that you get at the grocery store is good quality meat. It's not. <laughs> it's so far from not. <laughs> One of these days we'll go in a little bit more into that, but that doesn't really pertain to animals. But yeah, no, not all meat is good meat. <laughs> no. <laughs> If you're able to work with a good quality butcher, then you might be able to good, get good quality cuts of meat for your animal. But again, it also depends on what the animal meat has had put in it. Is it loaded with preservatives? Is it loaded with hormones? You know, what is all that being put in that that could potentially also affect your animal? Even as humans, we can react to those by it's not really a byproduct exactly, but the hormones, yeah, the steroids, the antibiotics, all of the stuff that, that some of these factory farms put into their meat. It's not good for us, let alone your animal. There's a lot mm -hmm. of meat on the market that is actually has very little nutrition and it is so bad for you. When you feed an animal crap or chemicals or put shots of antibiotics in the meat, the meat is not the same. You change the meat and it makes the meat lower quality. So not only do the animals need good quality meat, you humans need good quality meat too. So really be discerning about what meat you purchase for you, your family, and your pet. Mm -hmm. Just needed to add that in there because <laughs> I get a little, I get a little like frustrated with what the, our food industry keeps wanting to feed us. It just makes no sense to me. I mean, you are what you eat. The animals are what they eat. If they're getting stuff that they shouldn't be eating, their meat's not going to be good. Mm -hmm. And this, they can get different types of meat. They can get beef. They can get pork. They can get chicken. Their meat is probably more, more likely closer to venison in the wild. No rabbits too. Rabbits oh, are, rabbits. are pretty much species specific for both dogs and cats. Mm -hmm. They can eat some seafood and they can eat some eggs, but I would say those should be in limited quantities because that is still not as close to their 
normal ancestral diet? Well, I would see some of the smaller felines probably eat eggs. They go foraging and they'll find like a nest. Mm, But that's different than what the eggs that we have. Your eggs can change also by what the chickens are fed. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And not every cat likes all eggs. Like I know um, our cats, my husband will give them a little bit of yolk, but they they will not eat the whites. So it's Mm -hmm. only like a little bit and it's not even a lot. They just need a little bit of taste and then they're done. Mm -hmm. The quality meat also goes for dogs as well. And so you want to make sure that there is absolutely no seasoning whatsoever. Mm -hmm. That includes salt. So no seasoning at all. Do not add anything to the meat at all. Good point. So that's basically what's the limit for cats. There really isn't any other healthy options for them. But for dogs, there is a little more option because they can eat certain vegetables, they can eat certain fruits. Some of the veggies they can eat are carrots, cucumbers, zucchini, lettuce, celery, green beans, asparagus, broccoli, and cauliflower. And some of the fruits that they can eat are bananas, apple slices, cantaloupe, Seedless watermelons, so make sure they don't, they never get any of the seeds from the watermelon, and blueberries. There is also an option that you could make a homemade sweet potato jerky for them. But again, you got to make sure there's absolutely nothing else added to it. It's more like a dehydrated sweet potato. Right. I've seen them put sweet potatoes in food, and I was never sure if sweet potato is good for them, or they're just putting it in as a, as a filler, or they think it's going to be good for them. My cat food's got sweet potato, and I'm like, why? What? Anyway. but that looks like a pretty good wide variety that dogs can eat Mm -hmm. i know a lot of dogs like carrots especially so yeah write that list down so you have it handy Mm -hmm. now i know a lot of people like to give peanut butter to their dogs either as a treat or as a way of encouraging them to to swallow medication they might have. The problem is, is that a lot of people give the peanut butter that has the, the salt and the sugar and possibly some other additives. That is not good for them. The peanut butter by itself is okay, but it can't have anything else added to it. So you need to use peanut butter that has no sweet, no, or no, no salt, no sugar, and no other additives. So it should just be the peanuts and the oil and that's it. Go with the the more natural peanut butter, but make sure it just says peanuts. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Or some grocery stores, I don't know if they still do it, but some grocery stores used to have these little things where you can actually buy a certain amount of peanuts and actually put it in the grinder and make your own. That might be a really good choice. I don't know if they still do that. I know. I know they used to. Yeah, I'm not. Whole Foods might do it. Some of the big, mm-hmm. not sponsored, not sponsored, but some <laughs> of these natural food stores may have that option. And that's something that we can use. Mm-hmm. And it's better to use roasted peanuts over unroasted peanuts because roasting also helps to remove some of the toxicity that could potentially be in nuts in general. Mm. That even goes for us as well. Mm, yeah. If you're going to give your dogs any fruits and vegetables, These should only be given as a treat, not as part of their main diet, as we were mentioning, because that's not normally part of their main diet. They would just have it on occasion in the wild. But if you're not sure if a fruit or a veggie is going to cause a problem and you haven't been able to find information on it, then the best thing to do is give them just a very, very small amount and watch them very, very closely to see if there's any kind of reaction that could be happening. 
best rule of thumb is if if in doubt, leave out. <laughs> yes, that's a, <laughs> that's a that's a that's a good that's a good motto. When in doubt, leave out. I love it. I love it. And you could also, I mean, these animals are pretty intuitive. They will let you know if they want to eat it or not. Mm-hmm. Don't force your animal to eat. Even if it's on this list that we're saying, if they don't want to eat it, they don't want to eat it. Mm-hmm. Don't force it. Don't make them eat it. They just like carrots out of all those veggies. Just give them carrots. If they only like apples out of all those, just give them apples. You don't have to give them a variety of fruits and vegetables. You do need to give them a variety of quality meat though. Mm-hmm. Don't fret about it. Don't overthink it. Don't force it. Let your animal tell you what it wants too. Mm-hmm. And truly what they want. They don't, you know, not like McDonald's. You don't want to give your dog McDonald's. It probably tastes really good, but yeah, don't give it. <laughs> <laughs> so what about the other two animals that we wanted to bring to them, like rabbits and birds? So for rabbits, the foods that you want to focus on for them are leafy, dark greens, broccoli, carrots, summer squash, fruit as a treat only, and limit starchy and sugary foods. What type of foods would that be under that? So that could be things like banana. Okay. That type of thing. And dark leafy greens does not meet iceberg. Do not feed them iceberg. There's no nutrition there. It's all water. Mm -hmm. That's why it's best to focus on the dark greens. Yeah. The darker the greens, the better. So for furs, they can eat fruit, but the type of fruit you want to give them is better to have as little sugar as possible. So something like blueberries, which typically has a much lower sugar content is decent for them. So pay attention to what the sugar content is in the fruit. So again, something like bananas would not be the best thing for them because bananas are very high in sugar. So research is needed. Yes. Yeah. You can give them cooked beans. Again, make sure there's no seasonings or anything involved with that. Now beans as in legume beans or beans as in green beans. So I know I've used to fed green beans. My my bird kind of liked green beans every once in a while. I but. believe it's both. Okay. They can eat most vegetables and nuts are also a really good option for them, especially if they're in the shells because it's also serves as an enrichment activity. They have to use their mental capacity to break the shells open. Yeah. The fatty oils that are in nuts are really good for birds mm-hmm. too. It helps with the feathers and stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. So now that we went over what they can have, let's do an overview of what they can't have. The foods that wreak the most havoc on our pets' bodies that can create the serious illnesses and, and the potentiality of death. Mm-hmm. This one we're going to skim over fairly quickly because we've talked about a lot of these in, in previous episodes. So if you want to have a little bit more information, you can listen back to our previous episodes or join our Animal Files community and you can ask us more details there. Yeah, you'll get personalized service if you join the community. <laughs> it's on Facebook. You can find us, <laughs> the Animal Files community. <laughs> The first five I'm going to mention are ones that are typically for cats and dogs, but could also affect birds. So chocolate is one of the more commonly known ones, and these can affect cats, dogs, and birds. Onions, garlics, chives, or anything from the uh, onion family can also affect cats, dogs, and birds. Grapes and raisins affect cats and dogs. Alcohol. And this is any type of alcohol. 
has a negative effect for cats and dogs. And xylitol is also highly toxic for cats, dogs, and birds. Yeah. I think all of those sugar alcohols Mm -hmm. are really bad. Yeah. I know sorbitol is not good for anybody. It's naturally found in some things like plums and prunes. So you might have to pay attention to that. Maybe stay away from plums and prunes if you're feeding your birds and your dogs. Mm -hmm. And those are also have a high sugar content as well. That's another reason why it would be a pretty good idea to avoid those ones. Yeah. When in doubt, keep it out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what about cats specifically? So for cats, now these three might be surprising. One, maybe people would be familiar with, but the other two, I think people are going to be really surprised about. So one is tuna. And A lot of, <laughs> I know a lot of people like to give tuna to their cats and cats love eating it. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. The problem with tuna is that it has mercury in it. It also doesn't have very much nutrition in it. So it really, other than the tasting good, it doesn't offer any benefit to your cats. Yeah. And cats don't need to actually eat much fish, but If you want to give a little bit of fish as a treat once in a while, focus on salmon or other white fish. Like pollock and cod, probably. Yeah. Dairy is another food to avoid. I'm sure there's going to be people out there, oh, well, I always give my, my cat milk or something to drink and they're fine. Well, it's kind of a thing where not all animals are identical and maybe some cats have been able to tolerate milk but it's more like a toleration rather than it doesn't serve, give them any benefit. There's no nutritional benefit for them. And for the large majority of cats, it can cause huge digestive issues for them. I think most cats are naturally lactose intolerant. Mm -hmm. And then liver is another one that is also an issue. And again, I'm sure that you would never think that. No, you would think that that would be something that that they would eat a lot of, but there's a lot of vitamin A in there. And if they get too much liver, it creates a vitamin A toxicity in them. So you can give it to them in limited quantities, but it's not something that they eat a lot of, even in the wild. I think if I remember correctly, I think the sort of, if it's like a cat pack i think the head of the pack maybe gets a little bit of it it's kind of the like a hierarchy the hierarchy type thing yeah (laughs) interesting (laughs) for dogs the foods you want to really avoid giving them now this also these foods that we're listing this is not a comprehensive list the list is actually quite large particularly for for dogs, rabbits, and birds. Cats, it's it's fairly simple. Feed the meat, don't really feed them anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty straightforward. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The four that I decided to focus on for, for this episode is avocado, macadamia nuts, fruit pits, and salt. The reason for fruit pits, there could be poisoning if the pit is broken down. There can be some toxicity in the pit itself. But the main reason for it is that it could cause obstruction in their digestive system. And just remember, people, even for us, pits, most pits have a small amount of, I think it's cyanide. cyanide. Yes. I know apple does. I'm not sure about other ones. Yeah, I think watermelons do, I think peach pits, those, you know, stone type Mm -hmm. fruits, I believe there's uh, cyanide in that. Mm -hmm. And salt is actually a poison for dogs as well. So that's again, (laughs) that's again, why you don't 
want to add any seasoning, including salt to any of the food you give them. And that actually, I believe, goes for cats too. Yes. Salt is just not good to feed in quantities. Even for us, we can have salt poisoning as well. Just for us, it takes a little bit longer. But uh, yeah, salt is important for life but it is not important for nutrition. Mm -hmm. There's a big stipulation for that. They will get their salt other places. They don't have to get it from additive or anything like that. Keep all the salty meats away. Yeah, and usually the salt that is used as an ingredient in processed foods or added to meat or anything like that, it's usually absolutely no nutrition. They've been, it's been processed to the point that there's no nutrition left to it. The only thing is the iodide that they add to it. Sea salt is a little different because it's got its natural minerals in it still, but that's still not still, something. Still, you don't want to yeah. Do, yeah. So for rabbits, you want to avoid high carbohydrates, starches, and sugars, because these can affect the pH level of their body and it can cause a gastrointestinal disease in them. Okay. You also want to avoid grains in general because that can also cause gastrointestinal problems. You want to avoid nightshade leaves and stems. So that would be like on tomatoes and eggplants. Those are part of the nightshade family. You want to avoid certain fruits and veggies. So examples, light-colored lettuces, rhubarb, and anything from the onion family. Those are some of the ones that you want to not give them. There are certain wild plants and grasses that can be toxic for them. Mushrooms are not good for rabbits. They can lead to kidney disease, paralysis, or cancer. Ouch. Hmm. And nuts are also not good for them because it has too much fat for that, for the digestive system of rabbits. It's not able to process that type of thing. Okay. And what about birds? So for birds, you want to avoid avocados. It can affect their heart respiratory system and their muscles. Anything with caffeine can affect their heart. Anything with salt affects their electrolytes and their kidneys. Certain seeds and pits can poison them. Yeah, we talked about that, that mm -hmm. those seeds and pits have things in them. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is, I don't know, I guess people must do this sometimes. They must take some of the food out of their mouth and try to give it to their bird. But there are things in our saliva and the bacteria in it that can seriously affect your bird as well. So you don't want to give them anything that was in your mouth. So don't be put the peanuts in your lips and having them take the, the peanut out of your mouth. That's not good. Right. Just give them the peanut. <laughs> Just give it to them. Right. <laughs> and don't have them kiss you all the time, especially on the lips. I've seen that happen too. I mean, that's probably going to be the same effect. Probably, right? yeah. 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 And again, mushrooms for birds can also lead to digestive upset and possibly liver failure. Ooh, scary. Okay. All right. So what are some of the things that we need to look out for if they do eat these foods? Some of the symptoms that they that you might see them demonstrate is vomiting, diarrhea, excessive panting, excessive thirst or urination, hyperactivity, abnormal heart rhythm, tremors, seizures, anemia, ulcers can happen in birds. Muscle problems can happen in birds. There could be kidney failure, liver failure, respiratory issues, tremor. Oh, I said tremors already. <laughs> Lethargy. It's okay. <laughs> there are other tremors. There are other tremors. <laughs> uh, lethargy, loss of coordination, depression of the central ner nervous system, 
which is a pretty serious one, coma, and even death. That's a pretty long list. Yes. So there's a lot of things to be to be aware of. Do your research. Yeah. You want to really try to avoid them having any of those symptoms to begin with. I think we mentioned this before in our other show that being able to monitor them and watch their, their eating and their drinking patterns to see if there's any changes in that, to monitor their energy level, monitoring what their quality of coat or their skin is like. Monitoring their stools is their difference in the consistency of their stools or different color and those type of things. And having a journal to to track these things are a really good idea. I love that. We talked about that in our radio show. So if you haven't caught one of our radio shows, it's every Sunday from two to three o'clock Eastern time. And we talked about doing journals. And I think it is probably the tool that you should have in your back pocket the most. Keep a pet journal, monitor everything. So you know what's going on with your animal. And these animals can be sick for a lot longer than all of a sudden you're at the point of no return. Mm -hmm. So if you can keep a pet journal, that's going to give you so much information. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah. And it's also a really great idea if you do have to go to the vet, because then you've got all this valuable information to give them, which is going to assist them in being able to help your animal more effectively. Your vet's going to love you if you do this. We may have a branded one coming to you soon. We want to just go over safety. We talked about what foods they can eat, what they can't eat. We talked about some of the illnesses or the diseases that can come or the issues that can come from these foods. The foods that they do eat, how do we store them safely? Well, we're going to talk about the wet and the dry food as well as raw food. So the recommendations for any of these foods is that you want to keep it out of reach of the pet to avoid any accidental spillage or contamination and to maintain the portion control. So your animal is not getting more food than what they actually need. That's a very important mm -hmm. point. Yeah. Don't let your animals have access to the food. Mm -hmm. So with dry food, what is recommended is if you're able to if keep the food in its original package. Now, some packages have it designed so that it's resealable and some don't, but you can also get a plastic container, kind of like a food safe. So it should be something that is able to latch securely. So the animals are not able to get into it. You can either put the package directly into that safe, or you can pour the food from the package into it. But if you pour the food in from the package into the container, you want, it's a good idea to keep the package somewhere so that you can keep an eye on the expiry date. It just helps you to kind of monitor and be like, okay, I need to keep an eye on the food. You can generally smell as the food has gone rancid. If you put it in one of these packages, make sure it's airtight. Yes, because the more it's exposed to the air, the more there is a loss of nutrients. Yeah. So the one thing to be aware of is that if you're pouring the food directly into the container, the dry food has oils in it. And if there is parts of the older food in there and you're adding fresh food to it, the oils from the older food could potentially go rancid and then contaminate the new food. So that's something that you need to pay attention to. Ideally, it's a good idea to wash the container out between changes of food just to make sure that the container is clean and there's no potential of contaminants in it. Okay. Now, the other thing is too with, with the dry food, because I know sometimes with people like to have their young children help out to 
teach them some responsibility of caring for the pet, but they might just tell their child, it's like, oh, go to the, the container and get some food for the animal, you know, and they might have like a scoop or something like that. But there's two things that could be an issue with that. One is that children don't really understand portion control. So they probably take the container and it'll be a heaping scoop and they'll pour that in a bowl. Mm -hmm. So then the animal's more likely to get more than it needs. The second thing is that they are also more likely to get their hand right in the food. And kids aren't normally very good with hand washing. Yes. <laughs> so then you're contaminating the food that way. <laughs> if, you're, if you want to have your children help, that's great. But do it together with them. You know, so you can hold, you can hold your hand over their hand while you're getting the scoop. You can help them to wash their hands ahead of time too. So you can ensure that their hands are properly cleaned as well. So just don't let them do it completely on their own until they're old enough to really understand. Yeah. Always clean your hands before and after you handle pet mm -hmm. food. With wet food, there might be a little bit of disagreement on this, but what is recommended for wet food is to refrigerate it after two hours. And if it's out longer than that, to throw it out after four hours. Now, cats are also can be very finicky too. So it's if they're not eating it, if it's been sitting out for two hours and they're not, not eating it, the chances are they're not going to eat it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they might kind of taste it after a while if they're hungry, but they won't really, it, it won't be one of those things where it's going to be gone in four if they haven't touched it. In right. two. Now, raw food is a little bit of a um, different thing to think about. A lot of people or a lot of animal experts out there feel that raw food is a health risk to animals because of it, of the bacteria that's in raw food. But I think the risk is more to the humans than it is to the animals. Yeah, because animals can handle that mm -hmm. stuff. Humans can. Mm -hmm. But that means that there is certain handling of it that is needed in order to reduce contamination of anything. Because even raw food can become contaminated and end up with additional bacteria if it's left on sitting out on the counter for too long or something like that too. Because in the wild, cats and dogs more much more likely to eat freshly killed meat. They're not going to eat meat that's been sitting there for a few hours. I think dogs may have a little bit of a scavenger, but it, it wouldn't be an animal that's been dead for, let's say, a day or mm -hmm. so. They'll scavenge it, but it has to be relatively fresh. Cats, on the other hand, it needs to be a fresh kill. If they don't eat it within a couple hours of killing it, they're not going to eat it. So think of that when you're feeding raw food. Mm -hmm. They can handle things like salmonella and E. coli, whatever. But if it's been sitting and other types of bacteria start to grow, their bodies may not be able to handle that and it could make mm -hmm. them sick. Because a lot of raw food, I think, is sold in a larger quantity, all frozen together. The challenge could be sometimes is if you're buying the food that's already frozen because it's hard to break it into individual portions. If it's all at all possible, buy the raw food that isn't already frozen because then that way you can divide it up into the portions that you would be giving your animal at each feeding. Good point. Make sure that you limit the amount of air that's in the container that it's in so that there is a low risk of frostbite. Uh, not frostbite, um, freezer burn. <laughs> freezer burn, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and put a date on it so that you can 
know how long it's been in the freezer for. Then when you take out one of these individual portions, then you can put it directly in the fridge and let it thaw overnight. Naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you're washing your hands before and after handling it, as well as washing the containers and anything else that you, that will have come in contact with it. Yeah. Like your surfaces. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to minimize your risk to any illness, as well as your animal's risk to any illness. I would probably say the best thing if you are going to feed or even homemade food, if you're going to cook your own food, is to have a day of prep and only make or set aside like, you you know, get a bunch of meat and portion it out for the Mm -hmm. week. Just like we do our meal preps as humans. Take one day, get it all done, organize it in your freezer and just rotate that. I think that would be the best way to keep track of expiry dates and making sure that food doesn't get freezer burned. And then you don't have to worry about getting special this and that. Mm -hmm. Day prep. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that was a lot of great information. Do we have any final thoughts before we end this? Well, just to, as a reminder that this is not a comprehensive detailed list or information about this topic. So as we mentioned earlier, you can come and join us in our the Animal Files community on Facebook. This will give you an opportunity to ask us questions if you want to have more specific information for your animal. You can also suggest other topics that you would love to hear us talk about, share your stories, your experiences, and be able to get access to some exclusive content and freebies as well join us every other week for this podcast and also listen to our radio show which is every sunday from two to three on wglro we have links in our facebook community and you can listen to that and that's eastern time yes eastern time always forget because i'm in (laughs) (laughs) all right well Thank you for all this information, Miranda. This has been great. And hopefully this helps everybody. Yeah. All right, cool. So come back to our next episode. I'm sure we'll have something more important. Well, not more important because it's all important. Another great topic. (laughs) Yes, another great topic (laughs) to give you. So come on back, have fun with us. Obviously, we like to have fun while we uh, do our shows. So join us and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com. 